0: Hey, what up everybody? Here we go again. This is episode three of POC Talk. Steven Almasan joins us today. He's a former teacher and is currently getting his master's in public policy at Berkeley. Uh, he's doing research and analysis on gentrification, displacement, affordable housing, and the potential opportunities for low-income families to build equity and capital in marginalized communities throughout California. I mean, this guy is the real deal, man. Uh, We invited him to come on board and share how he got into teaching and all the work that he's doing in his hometown of Boyle Heights. And he's legit. We learned so, so much, and uh, you can really just get a sense of of how um, involved Steven is with his community and how passionate he is about these topics and about giving back. uh, By just listening to him speak, like you just hear him talking, you're like, you're inspired. And uh, I don't know, man, but something tells me. We're going to be punching a black dot next to his name in the near future, and I don't know about y'all, but that leaves me really, really hopeful for the future. Anyway, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, and make sure to follow Steven on all his channels, and hit us up if you have any questions. Um, And again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for supporting us uh, uh, and for giving us another hour of your day to hop on board and learn with us. So thank you for the likes. Thank you for the shares. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play and make sure to rate us uh, five stars because that's what's going to give us exposure and that's what's going to keep us coming back. Uh, So please do. And if you already did, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, uh, here we go. This is episode three of Pock Talk.
1: First off, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, my name is Steven Almazan. I was born and raised in Boyle Heights. Uh, both of my parents immigrated from Mexico in the late 1960s. My mom and dad both went to Hollenbach Middle School, which is our local LAUSD school, and after the time at Holland back, they went off to uh, Roosevelt High School, which back then was considered a dropout factory. Oh, okay. um, so How long pets, have your parents been here? When did your parents? Oh, my right. parents moved around the late 1960s, okay. so they've been here for most of their life. So, okay, so yeah. they were young. They're, they're really like, young. Yeah, okay. so they're like late upper elementary, early middle school years. Yeah, so oh. probably like. 10, 11. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you're second generation?
1: Uh, so when my parents immigrated, they... Well, we're I mean, they, well essentially, they are year. first generation Americans, right. or Mexican Americans. And my brothers and I, since we are the first to go to college within our immediate family, we'd be first generation college. college. That's my understanding. Uh, I could be know you No, you're no, right. That. I mean, yes. That's, yeah. how, that's <laughs> how it is. You're right. Not, <laughs> right. So
0: are we. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're, the, yeah. But we're, we also have... For our be. parents are first generation oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Latino Americans. Mm-hmm. Right. we mm-hmm. First generation, firstborn.
1: Yeah, you know, exactly. Right. People have different definitions. They do. As to like what? Yeah, I do.
0: But noticed. that's the right one. The one. That, okay. That's <laughs> the one that I've heard. Because I got checked on it before.
1: Okay. But but anyway,
0: go ahead. Cool. Sorry, yeah.
1: Roosevelt. Um. So both of my parents uh, were uh, high school students at Roosevelt, um, and as my dad was not an English language learner, but my mom was, and my dad, my mom was one of the oldest of ten children. And through her experiences being a caretaker, um, she had to do a lot of. She had a lot of responsibilities at home, which essentially took away from her responsibilities at school, which is fun- unfortunately left to her um, not finishing high school. And you have older brothers, or I have, have two, older of, two older brothers. Older yeah. brothers, Okay. Did they finish um, uh,
2: college, or did they go to college? Or?
1: My older brothers. So we all went to um, our local Catholic schools, just because through my parents' experience, um, they did not want us to experience what they had growing up. Um, so they worked multiple jobs just to and networked themselves, talking with the the sisters and the nuns. Who hey Axel, what's just up? To try to <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your boy here. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: Uh-oh.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> so through that, um, I went to um, through a Head Start program for preschool, and then went to uh, Sunrise Elementary for kindergarten. Then Euclid Elementary for mm-hmm. second grade, uh, for first grade, and then went to Santa Isabel along with my brothers, and then we went so to all Catholic schools. All Catholic schools. Wow. Uh, we went to Bishop Morris Illusion High School. Changed up a lot, a little bit, That's yeah. But cool. not to say that the school that we went to was the best option uh, mm. within our immediate vicinity. And I would say, I would argue that there were no best option within our neighborhood. Wow. Uh, so both of my brothers ended up graduating from high school. They both went to community college first. Then my oldest brother transferred into Cal State LA where he got his bachelor's and my other brother transferred uh, from ELAC. Uh, to UC Riverside Nice. Okay. so we're all college graduates they both actually have their master's degree. congratulations uh, and you're and like and, next and <laughs> I'm next you're, yeah So I, I went to USC got my bachelor's in communication and psychology bye went on. to LMU by on. Uh, went to LMU to get my master's in education Ooh, uh, and now I'm Lions. getting my- go <laughs> go Lions, <laughs> go, Lions. <laughs> Say
2: know, oh, what? go
1: Lions and now I'm getting my master's in public policy at UC Berkeley so oh, wow. pursuing my second master's just because um, I
2: had a lot of time I had a lot of time <laughs> no, <laughs> honestly,
1: uh- Berkeley's paying for my education so oh, the really reason why I'm I, it. Go. Uh, I, tried, I advise well. if you are going to get your graduate degree try to get someone else to pay for it yep. um, that's smart. people always ask me which school do you go for like during football season do you go for USC do you go for like LME doesn't have a team but no. or do you well, go we're for you go for the right.
2: Trojans <laughs> that's, <laughs> I that's tell, who you go for <laughs> I always tell them I, I go know. for the school
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I owe the most money to yay, so USA. alright Trojans fight on fight on forever yeah there you go yeah so that's me in a nutshell. Uh, but yeah, I just very lucky and very privileged to be uh, to have the opportunity to go to college and have that opportunity in front of me, knowing that my parents had a struggle, seeing my brothers struggle with college applications, not knowing that scholarships were available. So even though I was a first generation college graduate, understanding that the fact that I was the youngest of three. I had that layer of privilege to learn from their mistakes and also from their successes to know what to do, but more importantly, what not to do. Right. Um, right. So, and I always recognize that, and I always tell my.
0: They help a, you. They help you along the way. Right.
1: That's awesome. Exactly. And, uh, mm-hmm.
0: it's, it's kinda hard when you do it alone, man. We've never yeah. done it before. Got a transfer out of a out of uh JC. Oh my god. Right. It it's the worst because
3: your parents awful. have no clue. Your
0: parents have no idea, man. I They're was like, just going to yeah. school. They're like Mijo,
3: did you get all that stuff done? <laughs> mm. Uh yeah. 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 Totally. I, th- yeah, I, mom, I totally. think
0: so. Yeah, I signed up for all my classes. FafSA?
3: Tomorrow. Fafsa done. Oh shit, FAFSA. Totally. Oh shit, it's due tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yep. Right, you guys remember? Uh, yes, uh, I remember. I, don't, I
1: don't miss those days. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: well, do you have
0: to fill out a fabs in there?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. So as a graduate student, you, tidbit, you have to fill out your FAFSA still. I mean, even if you do, you
2: still get free money, like from FAFSA, like the Pell Grants
1: and uh, that. so Pell Grants are not eligible. Uh, grad students aren't eligible for oh. Pell Grants. I know it's unfortunate. Um, That's like the one everyone gets. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: If you fall under a certain like, right, uh, yeah. threshold in yeah, terms of income, yeah. but it's a, it's a good way to uh, pay off most of your or a good chunk of your tuition. Um, but you know, you still have to fill it out just for the school's purposes. Yep. that's good. That's cool. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> Wait, what did you do in uh, at SE? What did you do for?
1: What did I do? Um, I majored in. Psych- I double majored in psychology and communication.
0: How'd, how'd you get into teaching? Where? How did? that that's.
1: Yeah. So when I was a freshman at USC, I took an American Studies course called uh, "Race and Class" in Los Angeles. I took that. Oh, that
2: was a GE.
1: right.
2: American Studies
1: 101. American Studies, along with Writing 101. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so through that class, uh, looked at the different inequities that exists and uh, that existed and currently have? exists. Uh, Doctor George Sanchez. Oh yeah, he's yeah. He, he, he's the G. Yeah. He taught it the semester before oh, okay. I got to see, nice. so I didn't have him. Yeah, so it was it was a pretty uh, transformational class just through my lens as an 18 year old kid from Boyle Heights, did not you guys, knowing.
0: Did you guys watch um, Quintana? Is this Quintana? Uh, I don't. Is, I don't that, think is so. that what it's called? You don't want am talking about, though, right? Mm-hmm, I do, but what, I don't is that what it's, it's called, Quintana?
1: I don't, I don't remember.
0: Well, you know what I'm talking about.
1: I know what you're talking about.
2: The, the about one with that. the pregnant 15-year-old? Yes yes, okay, yes, yes, Okay, it is Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: Maybe we did watch it. I
0: right? think we saw that. I think yeah. I saw that. Of course, it's a pregnant 15-year-old. <laughs> hey, man, that's a really big movie, dude. That's a really popular movie. <laughs> what's, it is. what's it called? Quinceanera? Quinceanera. I'm pretty sure it's Because
2: it's, it's based on Does her have having her
0: 15. Quinceanera. That song is in the movie, actually, and it's about it has a, to be yeah it's, it it's about, yeah it's about a 15 year old Who gets pregnant Before her quinceanera Yeah uh, And then But she doesn't And she never the struggles she never, behind Yes and struggle, she still and have and the party a, And she has And they're dealing With gentrification Because they live In Echo Park Ooh. Whoa yeah, it's a, a nice tie-in. Yeah, it was crazy because oh. they, they live in Echo Park, and then it's a lot like all white people that are mm. moving in, and and then I, then she has a gay brother, so there's that. Oh There's damn. that element into oh. it, and her gay brother is dealing with the with the it, it's, it's like messing around with the white people that are gentrifying. <gasps> it's a, oh, it's no. a crazy movie Yeah, yeah. And oh. then and, then, it was and then, it sad. Like, hell no! I was embarrassed to watching that movie oh. whole, because we're in a room and it's like uh, like all these like kids
3: that aren't from LA and they're just and they're just, like. And they're, like you know, oh, just like, think a, so like, so like, that. so like, this is how like fifteen year old latinas are. Yeah, yeah like, I was
0: too much.
1: Class in Los Angeles. Formative part of the class. <laughs> I, hey, I
0: heard George Sanchez is doing awesome things, man. He does research on he's everything. A, yeah, he's yeah.
1: Good, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, so George Sanchez, he the whole class focused on the inequities that exist in L.A., so in terms of education, housing, urban development, transportation, environmental health, and there was a whole month that focused on Boyle Heights. And at that that point, I mean, being born and raised there, knowing that growing up, walking to school with my mom, Having her hold my hand while going from my house to Santa Isabel, realizing, like, one, like I don't want to walk with my mom to school. It's, well, you it's have kind to. of, I have to because she's being protective. At the time, I didn't realize that she was being protective. Right. In the 90s, Boyle Heights was known as the gang capital of the US. <laughs> wow. And I would notice a lot of different things on the streets in terms of taggings, in terms of different. Um, uh, there's an alleyway that's at the end of my block. I remember walking down with my cousin one day and we found. Uh, a discarded handgun and like bullets Whoa. And, that's and I think realizing as you? a kid I was probably like in middle school right. like You're entering a cool
2: high school no, were well, no, you like, like well I knew
1: that's was my bad. neighborhood I knew I wasn't living in the best neighborhood right. but at the same time realizing that I remember having a conversation with my dad saying I don't know what prompted me to ask him but I asked him like dad are we poor and okay. then he told me like we're not poor. We're fine. Like, we'll, we'll, and that was his way of reassuring my brothers and my we're, mom. Like, we're gonna do everything we need to to make sure that You, have a you don't have over to worry about it, and you don't have to worry about it. And you're, I didn't worry. You're gonna about be it. okay. Yeah. But during this class, realizing that. There are a lot more inequities that exist in my neighborhood than I didn't realize growing up. Right. So realizing that 82% of families in Boyle Heights are renters as opposed to homeowners, mm-hmm. the median income at the time, this was like 2009, was around 27,000 dollars. Wow.
3: Can I? So yeah. poverty Total side 22 note. Twenty right. two or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Total side note. Yeah. Um, the um, Boyle Heights is where the the is that the that's where the the Jews used to be like back in like the 50s. There was a big community of Jews that lived there, right? Because you guys have that temple, or mm-hmm. that, that Jewish temple, right? Yeah. So Is the, that still there? Because I remember they were, trying, they were working on... Trying yeah,
1: so, to so in, down. The, in the early 1900s, uh, Boyle Heights was known as the Ellis Island of the West Coast. So a lot of disenfranchised families were f- not necessarily forced to move to the East Side, but a lot of black and brown families weren't allowed to live in certain parts of LA so in a way they were forced to move to live anywhere east of the river. Yeah. So that Wow yeah. that is part of the reason why there's a lot of Latinos in the neighborhood as well as the influx of immigration from like the 1900s uh, like the ne- post 1930s onwards but their, the neighborhood was very diverse in terms of Jewish Americans, uh, African Americans, uh, Japanese Americans, German, Russian, you name it. Um, it was the most diverse neighborhood in the entire U.S. at one point.
3: So I, I have a question: When yeah. you say weren't allowed to live in other parts of LA, like how did that look like? Was it was it like a very covert thing that we were just very... kind of pushed out because it was too expensive, or was it like a very overt like get you can't? This is like.
1: Is very explicit. Nope so colors. there were housing covenants, either mandated by the state or by the federal government, that said if you are, nope colored, color of color. if you are not Anglo-American, you cannot live here. So if and they, they would specify if you are black, if you are, they didn't use Latino at the time, I believe. I mean, there's uh, the U.S. Census Bureau was still trying to figure out how to name someone from. <laughs> Mexico, so they oh, wow. would. I think they would say Mexicans, or right. so it'd be very explicit as to who can live in certain parts of LA. And one thing that I learned in the class, or one of the many things that I learned in the class, is that obviously LA is known for its freeways system. Originally, the freeways were created for people of affluent neighborhoods to right. go from one part of town to the other without, without actually exiting. To go through the right, what? so they would. So the freeways would. I mean, the, it, it exists right now, but. Back then, there used to be no exits, so people would go from one side of town to the other without see. actually having to see the people living in, quote-unquote, or experience the low-income neighborhoods. Right. Wow. Wow. And over time, obviously, obviously that's changed, and especially in uh, Boyle Heights, where the East LH interchanges, which is the oh, yeah. most Everything. congested, most mixed. The 5, mixed, the 10, the 60. Yeah. Everywhere, man. And I then, mean... Yeah. Tens of thousands of families were displaced uh, when that was created. Um, oh, and shit. so Boyle Heights has historically been neglected and it's historically been overlooked by the city of LA. And only until recently has there been investments into the neighborhood. Um, so through this class, I started realizing that I need to do something about this and I wanted to know more. And another statistic that I learned is that less than 5% of families living in Boyle Heights have a college degree. Whoa. There are about 95 Thousand people living in Boyle Heights. Boyle Heights is its own city. Honestly, yeah.
0: wow. Do you but, just have a mayor? Excuse me. Do you just have a mayor? Right? Not at all. No, you don't. No,
1: no. no. So it, I, I say it, it, it should be. Its, it, it seems like it has its. Own, it, it is its own city, but it's a neighborhood within LA. So Boyle Heights is uh, one of ninety-eight neighborhoods, I think, in Los Angeles. So it's it's, it's a huge city. East, uh, East LA, though, right? Not at all. No. no. Oh, really? So is there like are debates in- around this, uh, but I've and I've talked about. This issue—it's not even an issue—but people claiming what is East LA and what's not East LA. So East LA is east of Indiana Street. Oh, so it's, and so east it's further. East LA is an incorporated the- part of Los Angeles County, and Boyle Heights is part of LA City. Oh. So I would consider the East Side anywhere east of the LA River. How
3: funny! So Boyle Heights is the end of LA, and then the beginning of—or not the beginning, yeah. but yeah, in a way, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's that's so right. Because you always think whatever's west of the L.A. River or, you know what I mean? East of the L.A. River. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Right? Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: That's what, yeah, as soon as you cross that yeah, bridge. Yeah, you're like yeah, east is east then, Coast. Coast. Okay, we're in East Lose. Boom,
3: Soto Street. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. true. But I love Soto that's Street. That's interesting.
1: That's yep. so interesting. So yeah, when they you got Soto, there.
2: Like anything in the Soto, uh, Soto Street area, like more downtown? like that's-
1: No, not necessarily. So, Salesian, my uh, alma mater uh, high school, uh, that's located off of uh, Soto. Go uh, Mustangs. And, and Whittier. <laughs> Where? Oh, Go Mustangs. Go, yeah. go Mustangs. Yeah. Uh... Go Mustangs. <laughs> So that's still... I had homies from Salesian. <laughs> do you? Where, where'd you go to high school? <laughs> I went to Loyola. Um, Loyola I should, High School. Funny story. I should I should have gone to Loyola. Or people encouraged me to go, go to Loyola, but my, well, older, my older brothers went to Salesian.
3: Oh, and then it and, became a family. Th- f- yeah.
1: No, not even that. I mean, it was cheaper if everyone went to yeah. the same school. They yeah. had like brother scholarships. Yeah, like they, all these different they, have, they help you out. Which is pretty smart yeah, on their do. end.
3: They keep the families together. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But in eighth grade, I actually had a teacher. His name's uh, Mr. Avila. Uh, Wait a minute. Whoa! Anyway, what? sorry. Google no, 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 no worries. He was. I was deciding between Loyola and Salusian, and then uh. he sat me down and he was like, Steven, do you want to be a big fish in a small pond, or do you want to be a small pond, a small fish in a big pond?" Whoa, I was like, I true. don't know what that means, but I have to go to <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have to have a choice, go to But like now, I understand what he meant. <laughs> yeah, uh, because true. obviously Loyola is a, a great school. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a feeder school into USC and all yeah. these other great, yeah. uh, universities. Pond. So essentially, stand out and yeah. do what you yeah. can. But okay. thinking back on it now, it's there is a higher likelihood of me being in a bigger pond. I mean, honestly, I love my time at Solution. I, I, my identity is attributed because of the yeah, teachers that I have from the school. And I thank God every day that I was part of that, that uh, community. And a lot of the teachers from Solution reflected the community, so a lot of them were from the neighborhood. See, that's, so, that's and those awesome. are things that that's, that's are cool. soft skills and are part of your, like, quote-unquote, like, out of your curriculum that matter more, I would say, than, like, the academics but obviously,
3: it's like your it, upbringing how they form you. You're, right. Yeah. Definitely.
1: But like the upbr- but the big pond, right? I would associate that with more resources. I would associate that with more capital. Right. People who can provide you pathways to specific programs like USC. I think I was the only student from my class that got an offer to USC, and I'm sure it's multiple students at a time from, <laughs> that, half from yeah. to, <laughs> that half court shot. Yeah. That court shot. Yeah. Unfortunately,
3: they have a pretty good relationship with. Uh, Right. And, then, right, and then I love LMU because we're like, that's everyone's safety school. Go lines, right? <laughs> yeah, Go I lines. love it. Well, I, I I that was my first choice. Yeah. But like, it's everyone's safety school because since it's like so closely tied, they they like accept everyone who like applies, like regardless of your grades. Or that's no. why it's our safety. Yeah. You'll see, you
2: higher.
3: Uh, higher. Let, 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 let me put it to you this way.
2: Everybody.
3: LMU. L- L- no LMU. Let me put it to you this way. LMU will accept a kid that has really low scores. And really low GPA just because he's from Loyola over someone that works way harder from another school. Like like people won't get an LMU and then they're like, what the hell my score with it? And it's like, yeah, but I went to Loyola High School and like we're like this with LMU. So yeah.
1: sorry. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into like the application itself, but I think But uh, that's it's, how, that
3: was our mentality, right. which kinda right. sucked because I personally loved LMU and I was like
1: right. as you should. It's a yeah. it's an amazing so, school.
3: So I took advantage and like I was like Fuck it! I'll just try to get as much money as possible since, like, <laughs> and I did, and I got, I got, I got a ton of money. So I was like, well, they That's worked good. out for me. Yeah. How did you get into teaching? Weird.
1: Sorry, it's all good. Um, <laughs>
3: this is, how, this, is how this, it, this, yeah. this is what happens. Man. So
1: after class one day, I asked. Dr. Sanchez, if I could learn more about Boyle Heights because that chapter had ended or that part of the class had ended. So I remember he, either him or one of the teaching assistants recommended that I watch this documentary called Waiting for for Superman, Uh, which is a 2009 documentary around uh, education education reform, Mm -hmm. education system in the US. And the film itself focused on Boyle Heights and it focused on my parents' high school. It focused on Roosevelt as being a dropout factory. Oh, wow. So the fact that my mom dropped out of school and seeing that the statistics back then is that if you enter LAUSD as a ninth grade student, less than half of this class will graduate from high school. So the percentage was 50% of students will graduate from school. And that was the case in my own household my entire life with my my mom and dad. So realizing that that... That spoke to me. That, and, that and in the film, home. I saw mm-hmm. the streets that I walked going to school with my mom. I saw the, I didn't even mention this growing up, but at the end of my block, there used to be a tortilla factory. And the only reason, one of the many reasons why I liked going to school is that when I'd wake up, I'd walk past the tortilla factory and I'd smell the tortillas that were <laughs> freshly made like at 6.30 oh in the morning. God. So I'd like, sp- <laughs> I, I just <laughs> said like the, 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 like the nice corn tortillas that would be like, I would associate tortillas with school and school with tortillas. And oh. I was a chunky kid, so like I'd always eat <laughs> like two tortillas for each taco, like that type of <laughs> oh <my laughs> love. Uh, but then when I, uh, when I was in high school, it had shut down. And in the film, it was highlighted, not for the tortillas, but for being the number one middle school in all of L.A. County. So it turned into a kip school. So at that moment, realizing that and, my and parents... Kip, didn't,
0: and can you tell us yeah, what KIPP is? Yeah, so kip is, really
1: is a public charter network. Uh, so charter networks, a uh, school of, uh, of networks. So essentially it serves, it's an alternative option for families living in areas like Los Angeles, um, where if they don't want to send their kids to their local traditional public middle school, like in the context of, of Boyle Heights, if the immediate school for my family is Hollenbeck middle school, if that option, if KIPP was available when I was growing up, my mom would apply a simple application just name, fund number and just a few more uh, demographic details. And you have an option to go to this charter school. So charter schools are an alternative to um, LA OSD schools. So LA, LA itself has become the one of the most popular cities in terms of having the number of charter schools available to families. Yeah. So charter schools are public schools. Um they are nonprofit schools. Um so essentially anyone can apply and anyone can get in. The only reason why students may not get into the school is if there's an x ex- if there's an excess number of students who apply to the school. So let's say there's 100 seats. Uh 101 families apply. That means there has to be a lottery. And that's what the the documentary talked about as well. What is a charter school? What are what is the system? So essentially if, there's more, if there are more people than, than seats, then there's this lottery system. And KIPP itself is a very, uh, it's a very successful charter network. I'd say it produces a high number of high achieving schools. So that KIPP school at the end of my block is not only a state recognized school, but it's also a nationally recognized school. So it's a recent Blue Ribbon Award winning, which means that the majority of its students are exceeding uh, the standards in the state. Um, Charter schools just have more flexibility when it comes to funding. Charter schools have more flexibility when it comes to the, their curriculum. There's a lot more.
0: And they're growing, right?
1: And they're growing, yeah. Slowly yeah. growing. Um, Is that but a good
0: thing or a bad thing?
1: Charter schools, I'd say as a former teacher, uh, so through that film realizing that education is a pathway out of poverty. I wanted to become, I wanted to go into education. So I became a student organizer, did a lot of activism in terms of advocating for specific policies that would support students from low income backgrounds through uh, the school district. And I worked for Teach for America on campus as a campus recruiter, and they provided me a pathway to become a teacher uh, so I applied to the program. I taught for a year with LAUSD in Koreatown, and then I transitioned over to Boyle Heights in East LA to teach as a special education teacher with KIPP. Okay. Um, and
0: okay so, okay. so you ended up teaching for KIPP.
1: I ended up yeah. teaching for KIPP. So that was full circle.
0: Now, did you we, go, did you go through different? Uh, did you did you consider other other systems, other other charter systems, or did I you
1: did? To... So I applied to KIPP. I applied to another charter network called Camino Novo. Mm, Um I, I think I applied to another charter network called uh, Puck. Okay. Um, and you just
0: yeah. like that tortilla smell?
1: <laughs> I like the tortilla smell, uh, but I also believed in the mission of the school leader. I believed in supporting students that reflected my parents, um, realizing that the students that I worked with and that I served were a reflection of my parents and a lot of the families and the, and the parents that were within our schools. I could resonate and I could connect with them and knowing that it was much more meaningful for, for me to work with students from uh, Boyle Heights and East L.A., was much more powerful and much more significant than any salary or any other incentive to work anywhere else. Nice. Um, so it was, I, would, I still consider it the most important job in the world, being a teacher. Uh, there's nothing more important on my resume than showing that I taught kids how to read. That is the, That is a privilege of mine. Um, what grade did you teach? I taught between kindergarten to seventh grade.
0: Oh, you did. So okay. the, and then was this the special ed kids? Or no?
1: It was students with special education. Um, so students with different learning disabilities, so students with different auditory challenges, students who may have a specific learning disability, students with autism, students with um, behavioral uh, challenges. It, It really varied in terms of what needs that the, that the students had, but I served as their, I, I viewed myself as their advocate, and I would work directly with their general education teachers, and I would support their parents. I would provide support systems for them to succeed in the classrooms, and I essentially was their biggest uh, fan and their biggest supporter uh, mm-hmm. at the school, along with, obviously, our, our school leader and, and with their parents and with their teachers, but I'll, oftentimes I wasn't seen as a, as a teacher because I didn't have my own classroom, but I was someone who would pull out students from the classroom to support them in small group intervention, and I would push in, which means I would go inside of classrooms to be like a co-teacher or just do small groups within the classroom. So I wouldn't work with students just in special education, but I would work with all students who just needed additional help.
2: Was it just you, or did you have a TA, or did you have somebody that helped you?
1: do that? um, I had a team, so it was myself and uh, someone else who was on the special education team. Um, and I worked directly with 12 general education teachers. Wow. So it ranged from teachers who were in kindergarten all the way to teachers who were up to seventh grade. Got it. Um, so it was a lot, and it was, it was probably the most humbling experience I've ever had in my life. And if I have the chance to, I'd love to go back into the classroom. Um, but I think it's the most important job in the world.
0: You see a different side of your town?
1: It just means more. Like it's, it's more, it's not about me. Honestly, like it's it it's. I love teaching kindergarten students because they don't care if you went to Harvard. They don't care if you went to USC. <laughs>
3: don't you love how much of an open book
1: the little ones? Kids are, are. great. Yeah. It's, they they are the ones who will tell you the, the truth. Yeah, we <laughs> and they, don't, they don't care about it. you we are like, we talking talking about, about the yesterday? Yeah, it's they good. Were, yeah,
3: they're and really honest. They'll be like, "Why do you look bad today?" <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a bad day, you know. Like they're just, but they don't yeah.
2: understand that. They're
3: just like, yeah. okay. This and they're just not just being they mean about it. Say. Yeah, they're not being right. yeah. mean about it. They're just like, mister, why do you look like crap?
1: <laughs> now, like, what's going on? You ever, get a, you ever get some of that? Uh, well, they could just sometimes. Yeah. Right? They, 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 they notice the small things. Like, yeah. I, I remember when I, one day I, I, I bought new shoes. And my students notice, like, Mr., how come you're not wearing your crappy shoes? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, because I got new shoes. There it is. (laughs) Thanks for noticing. There it is. So small things like that. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, that's the part of the joy of being a teacher in the classroom is that there's nothing more, like, just fulfilling and just humbling just to work with students from Boyle Heights and East LA and I don't know they're going to do amazing things and I try to visit as often as I can I visit my students as much as possible so I I try to donate like books here and there and Mm. keep myself connected with the students Um, but yeah it's it's a wonderful uh, profession. That's awesome, mm-hmm. did
0: you, and you and you did some more, and you've done more work in the town yeah. in your town. Yeah,
1: you, you know, Most tell definitely. us about that.
0: You know, what what how, what else are you involved in? How you, and how did you get involved with your city? Because I know you're very active.
1: Yeah. So during my first year in the classroom, um, I one of my mentors recommended and encouraged me to run for my local neighborhood council. So you have city council, which are represented by the 15 council members in Los Angeles, which essentially, so in the context of Boyle Heights, my council member is council member Jose Weizar, and he represents downtown LA. Yeah, that's right, that's oh, yeah? right. There yeah. you go. I've yeah. heard his name. So yeah. I think
0: I've heard his name because I've seen your Instagram. Okay,
1: there you go. <laughs> Maybe. That might be it. That might be it. Yeah. Uh, so... Below, I would say the, uh, the city council are the neighborhood councils. And the reason why neighborhood councils came about is that in the early 2000s, um, the valley or parts of the valley were threatening to secede from the city. So essentially saying that this, the valley does not want to be part of, of the Los city Angeles? of Los Angeles. Okay. So, in order to appease Ew. a lot of the people in the valley, they give the people back their. their, their people back their power. In they created sense. the Neighborhood Council right. to show that there is investment. There's
0: involvement from the, from city. the community. Okay. Exactly.
1: Okay. So Neighborhood Council serves as a, ideally, Neighborhood Council should serve as like the liaison between the neighborhood and the city of LA. So let's say an issue comes up in the neighborhood, like let's say a, a really broken street or there's a lot of trash in a park. Something very simple like that someone can, can uh, address their concern at a local neighborhood council meeting. The neighborhood council can make a decision on whether to write a letter of support or directly work with the council member and then make action happen that is the most simple way of describing it. They're, they serve as a liaison, but it gets more complicated than that. So when I was encouraged to run, I was like, I'll think about it. And I realized, like, oh wow, I have to run like as an elected official, like as a candidate. Like I don't know how to do this. So I'm just going to print a flyer with my name on it with a description of who I am. And post I'm it on Facebook. Post it on Facebook. Go to keep Vote <laughs> for me. Vote nice. for me, yeah. <laughs> Had people like outsource like wow. a lot of things. Like, nice. Can someone help me create my logo? Can someone help me just promote it? Oh, you actually made it a campaign I made a campaign. I went. I went Damn. deep. Ooh, oh, and this, is, this, is, uh, this is 2014. Okay. Yeah. So early 2014. I was 23 at that time. Now, and when I you ran, were just
0: out of college. I was man. just out of college.
1: Yeah. And it was great because I was challenged in a lot of different ways that I've never. Were you experienced. in grad school experience? I was in grad school, so I was in my first year uh, at Loyola Marymount, getting my master's in education. Nice. So a lot on my plate, but still realizing that I it's really pretty wanted busy, to. Busy man. Yeah, uh, but knowing that my neighborhood. Was a priority of mine, and I wanted to represent my neighborhood to some capacity. And the neighborhood council in Boyle Heights, there's at the time there's about 17 seats available. So I was running along with against 30 other people.
0: Oh, oh wow! So the 17 seat is that how it is for every city, or does that all. depends on the size of the population? Or? You're right. Oh. So
1: it depends on the size of the neighborhood. So Boyle Heights is close to 100,000 people. So it was 92 be... cities. You said. There's about 98, 98 close 98, to 98, yeah. Na- na- not cities, neighborhoods. Right,
3: neighborhood. Neighborhoods, neighborhoods, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: neighborhoods. Uh, so I wonder was... if we have one, because we, I mean, we, we do, do we, we do. do. Limmer Park, Limmer Park, yeah.
3: yeah,
1: you definitely do. We do. Okay. Yep. So you see them. You should get involved. Yeah, I'll send you an, uh, a link. Maybe we will. Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: oh
0: my
1: Wait, God.
2: does USC have one like <laughs> University Park?
1: No, nah, I don't know if it's no. University Park, but I, they do have a surrounding neighborhood council.
3: Yeah, USC is part of the nine that part well, St. Agnes one. There's like there's like Limmer Park, Jefferson Park, yeah. We have we have our own council member. I mean, I don't know who it is, but one LA is involved with it. Okay, yeah, because you,
0: you would be Adams District. Yeah, exactly. Adams, whatever, whatever the
3: hell that neighborhood is, yeah. that's that's. What oh, it that knows. makes sense be. because
0: it was just it was until just recently that we started seeing those little the, those yeah. those signs yeah, that little, say like yeah. Vote Lamar for Park. this? Or, no, no, just no, the signs in the, the, the city, like History, this, the, the,
2: historic area. Yeah, historic like Adams, Adams District and, uh, yeah, or exactly.
0: Jefferson uh, Park or oh. Lamert Park. Those are new. Those are they have, those haven't been around forever. Like no. it, they're like streets and. They make me feel No, fancy, no, you, the <laughs> city is historic. The town is historic because that because the, because a lot of the buildings there have a, a bit are old. That's why the, the, right. a lot of the houses there yeah. have
3: like Victorian houses mm. from like the. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole historical society yeah. that makes keeps and people don't
2: know. People don't know our area. Like they just think. Like, oh, we've just live, been living here for, like, 20 years. Like, is, they don't know what's before that.
1: Mm.
0: So you dealt yep. with all these people.
1: So when I ran, uh, I handed out all these flyers the day of the election, mm-hmm. and then luckily I received the second highest number, the third highest number of votes. Oh, so really? it was crazy. You're it nice. was awesome. So you oh, won, along really with, with, 16 other people, which is great, oh. and... It was really unique How, how was the, or the, were they all in your age range? No, not at all. They're so like I was the youngest in the neighborhood wow. council at the time. So how was that experience. experience? It was like being a first year teacher in a historic oh, of school. Course. So uh, being very, mm. having to earn my credibility and I don't question it. I Did, think it's true. It's and like, and you know, how, long, who, how long do you serve for? How long? It's a two year term. I mean, for most neighborhood councils, it's a two-year term. So mm-hmm. I served from 2014. Do, do most Can you people, serve same,
2: again? Can do,
0: you run do, again? Do most people stick around oh. for the two years? Do you see a lot of people fall out?
1: Great question. So I would say the majority of people in Boyle Heights uh, neighborhood council stick on uh, as, a, as, a, as a neighborhood council member. However, there are people who drop off like any other organization. Um,
0: Because there's there's no compensation, right?
1: There's no compensation. It's Um, all free. It's all volunteer work. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's out of our own uh, time and our own dedication. So it's tough. Um, but it's a commitment that we all made uh, when we first uh, ran and signed up for. Um, but through my experience, uh, we had different committees. And one of the committees that really resonated with me was the Outreach Committee, which essentially did a lot of the civic engagement and the outreach for the immediate community of Boyle Heights to let them know about services and about city services, about community events. And there was another committee known as the Planning, the Planning and Land Use Committee, which dealt with a lot of developments. And that is when a lot of the issues of displacement and gentrification first started coming into light, I guess. So when I so you were there, you saw it. You saw it. I mean, I was there. Beginning of it. Were there signs? Defined signs. (laughs) Like (laughs) like literal signs. When
0: when did you realize it? When was it like okay, this might be start becoming up? Well, anyway, keep going. Yeah. No.
1: uh, No. No. I think the. I, my first glimpse into the changes of the neighborhood came through these developments through the policy and land use committee. So outside of the neighborhood council, there'd be developers who are mandated to host community meetings to essentially show the community yeah. where like this development is going to uh, exist. So we're coming na- in and doing whatever. <laughs> do exactly.
0: They, is, there, is there an is there an application process to?
1: Yeah. So there's a there's a land use application that needs to be filled out by okay. a developer, and there has to be. Multiple. Well, so there, the there are key- a lot of steps that have to be taken in order to be considered through the city council, and then developers, the successful developers who end up becoming, uh, who end up building their development, have to go, should go through their local neighborhood council, so that the neighborhood council can serve as a their stamp of approval or their stamp of we don't agree with this development. Okay. I would ask yeah. you, like for example, if, if the neighborhood council didn't agree with the development, we would ask the developers to reconsider certain. Options or certain right. uh, ways that they presented themselves, and oftentimes developers would listen and say, "Okay, this is how we're going to go back to the drawing board." Sometimes developers would say, "We're just going to run with it because this is what we need to do as part of our mandated." Right. And,
0: and what constitutes as a development? Like, can I if I buy, yeah. if I have if I buy this house and I want to build something, I want to build another house. Is that considered a development?
1: Uh, in the context of the neighborhood council, that would be a different type. Of, so, when I say development, I consider like. It's like uh, multiple Commercial development. Commercial, so like commercial uh, development, so like businesses. What about housing? Uh, housing How, development. Housing developments are it's true, but like I would say it's a diff, it's a different application or it's a different process once you improve your own house, I guess, or like add on. There has to be other so it has to be for,
0: for commercial purposes. But let's say so commercial you purposes wanted,
1: or yeah. for housing purposes, so like right. affordable housing units right, or right. a mixed-use complex which has both businesses and um, residential. Development, residential development.
3: Development also usually, doesn't it usually imply like from the ground up?
1: When, when, you think, when, I, think, when I think of a developer, I think of in the, through the context of, like let's say an affordable housing developer, so there are organizations like Mercy Housing, Adobe Communities, uh, Community Friends, um, all these developers, are, their function is to create affordable housing units. So for example, there is a development uh, on First Street and Lorena, which is meant to be for low income residential housing for formerly or chronically homeless individuals. And that is spearheaded by a developer. So that development itself you're right. It's from the ground up. There's it's a, it, Oftentimes it could be flat flat land. There's nothing there. It might be a parking lot. It might just be not in use. Mm-hmm. There are multiple pieces of land throughout Boyle Heights that are owned by, let's say, Metro. They own it, but they haven't used it because they're going to sell it to a developer. Uh-huh. So they have to sell the process. They don't sell the process, but they... <clears throat> sell the idea to developers who want to create this development. Right. So right. in a way, it is from the ground up. In a way, it is like anything that is from, if you create it from new, that's a development as well. So you're, so you're all right. So
3: it could be a small, like, so it could be this duplex.
2: Yeah, we can be a okay.
1: developer. Well, I guess it's just a it's not the it's not common. I would say it's more right. when you think it's of it through the neighborhood bigger, council lens. So
0: when when would they when would a developer need to go to the city council and be like and need their stamp of approval? It's
1: a great question. And why would they need? to? So there are different processes when it comes to applying for a land use application. So there are different deadlines. Um, I don't know the exact deadlines, but I would say that in order for development to actually get its approval there are at least, it goes from like a list from A to Z. There are a lot of different requirements for a developer to be approved by the city because there are different uh, restrictions that are in place. So for example, if someone wants to create a mixed-use luxury apartment, legally they may be mandated to have a certain number of units to be uh, affordable housing. Uh, right? So let's say, for example, a new housing development happens in Boyle Heights, which is currently happening with uh a historic building known as the Sears Building off of Soto and Olympic. Oh, yeah. Is that, oh, place. Is that still open? That's in
2: East L.A.?
3: That's, oh. a,
1: that's, that's in Boyle
2: Heights.
3: Yeah. That's in Boyle it's Heights. That's in Boyle Heights. It's close to like Alameda, right? Or it's just like in, yeah, that, in, that, close, in that... um close, close to that area. And that like industrial type of... Yeah, yeah. it's right
2: there. Yeah. Did I remember? So that?
1: that development, it's still in the process of P, of act, of, of, not necessarily getting approved, but the developers are still... Preparing to develop in that land because I'm sure developers so they want to tear that down. Excuse me, they want to tear that building down. Well, that's no, the point. They so
2: have to get a license for that, no, right? It's, it's,
0: what's their goal? They're trying to tear that down. So
1: the goal. So from my. Like? So when I first joined the neighborhood council, one of the first meetings that I went to was for the Sears development, and that was my first lens into changes are to come, oh. are planning to come into the neighborhood because the Sears development, it's considered a historic landmark. Yeah. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. building. Yeah. Um, so the developers decided we're not they're not they can't tear it down and they're oh. not. So they're just gonna build on top of it. They're gonna gut out the building and they're going to create all these amenities. Gonna Think gonna of it as framework. kind of like a grove or like the Americana a, the yeah. it's gonna be that type of, of like yeah, design.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. So
1: you can tell that the apartments, the the units that will be available they're going to be far above the median income oh, yeah. of Very the threshold so. of people living in Boyle Heights, which is the, one of the first signs of saying, like, "This oh, is not for the community right. of Boyle Heights," because the typical or the median income of families in Boyle Heights is around thirty-four thousand dollars. If the apartment complex, whatever it, however many units, it's going to be, the median price of a one-bedroom apartment in LA right now is about uh, two thousand dollars. I guarantee you that, and if we look it through the lens of uh, Boyle Heights in terms of the median income, the typical recommended amount that someone should spend on... Their uh, rental er, for, for uh, monthly rent is around 27 to 28% of your own monthly income. Correct. Yeah. So that means if you are making $34,000 a year, obviously after taxes, it's a little bit less, far less than that. Yeah. Let's say, for example, you have $34,000. What that, You 12, said 24%? That, tw- it's around 27%. 30, 27%. So that means uh, yeah, 20. 27% of that is around more, like $9,500. $9, like, yeah, and then 12. for the month, it's going to be around close to $800.
0: 800
1: $765. Right. Jesus. So, you would assume that a family wouldn't be able to afford a place like uh, a new apartment complex, a one-bedroom apartment. For two grand. in Boyle Heights for two grand, if that's the, if that's the proposed right. price. Because it's very possible that these right. units can be much not,
0: higher. And that's not
1: uncommon right. at and, all. And that's not, it's not settled yet as to how much it's going to be. I can refer to a new apartment, though, that's really close to Mariachi Plaza, that has been an apartment building that's about a block away from Mariachi Plaza off of 1st Street and Boyle. Um, that's called Mariachi Gra- uh, Crossing. This apartment complex, one, a few of the apartments have been renovated, and it's now, previously it was going for like $800 within the median range of families living in the neighborhood. Like a one-bedroom $800? Like a one-bedroom okay. $800. It has jumped up to close to $1,500, $1,600 <laughs> after a month. Oh, my because God. Because wow. families... In order for uh, landlords to increase the price of rents, someone who's lived in a building that was built before 1978, I believe, if it, if the building was born uh, was created before that, then you are then the landlord has to keep the price that it was charged prior to that. Is that similar uh, to rent control, or is That's, that very similar to rent a, control? A exactly. So if a building is was created in LA, I I believe it's 1978. If, it, if a building was created after 1978, the landlord can charge whatever, can charge whatever they want. But oh, if it was wow. created before that year, then that means that a landlord can't charge more than three percent every year oh, okay. if you continue living there. Right. But there are certain tactics that landlords can use to push people away from mm-hmm. the apartment. So, for example, landlords can choose not to to address certain issues in the apartment. They can hey. they can they can choose not to fix certain. Uh, Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, like the floors or mm-hmm. like uh, Piping, a pipe or yeah. yeah. They have or- so small. Yeah.
0: Jackie's Jackie's mom's apartment hasn't. She's had her a carpet for twenty years. Yeah, and wow. we've
2: been and we're kind of trying to fight for it, sure. but. It, that's the one thing. It's just a lot of, there's a lot of problems. We've been living there for, I don't know, almost all my life, like more than 20 years mm-hmm. and now. She's the and only
0: family there. Everyone yeah. else is a everybody, student.
2: Everybody, yeah, exactly. Hardwood floors, AC. When they started, oh. they started having the, like,
3: They're trying to get her out, huh? Yeah,
2: and th- that's the funny part because yeah. when they started taking out all the families, they actually started offering the other families money. Like, we'll offer you this amount of money if you move out. And a lot of them took it. And a lot of them were like, okay, I'm going to take this because it can like help me start in another another apartment and then maybe another bigger place. or, not, and, and I don't yeah. think it was thinking about like, I mean, let me get a house, but it was like, let me live somewhere else in right. another it apartment. Was, it was a
0: short-term right. incentive. It yeah. wasn't something and that you know, was going to be. My right. mom was offered maybe right. two, three times, you always do right. here,
2: take this money, take this money, take this money. But my mom at that point was like, I can't. I right. have two girls. I don't. I don't know where to go. Right. I just don't know. And it was. So just, she didn't take the two guys. No. And Good. she started. Um. She started. Good. She found an organization that that helped people understand what the what their rights were. Like families, yeah, what their rights were. That's like that's important They to can't you. do that. So you even, have yeah. rights to live where you are. Right. Yeah,
0: but right. like, dude, her apartment. If you look at every other apartment, it's
2: twenty. There. It's a twenty-year-old apartment. Yeah. You can see yeah. there's yes. the, the linoleum in, is still there. The the green carpet with stains still in. Bathroom
0: bathrooms that right. hasn't been touched in nope. here. She's the only one. I'm telling you, she doesn't sure. have AC. She's and, the only one. In the apartment and, and, and le- le- everyone else, yeah. every other We're apartment, only, is like AC. You know, re- every re- other re- apartment has
2: hardwood right. floors, um, repainted cabinets, um, new sink, new bathroom. Uh, just paint everyone and they have AC. Mm-hmm.
1: It would be illegal for the landlord to be negligent, right? To not address these issues, but it's not as. Um, sorry. So it's not as. You would have to have support yeah, legally. Exactly. You would have to have an yeah. advocate, advocacy group yeah. that would actually Oops. show you these are the steps to take in order to address this landlord's uh, negligence. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. But, so you're right. Uh, but I think it's, it's much harder to have that um, addressed when you know the landlord can just do it out of their own
3: profit mind. And I'm sure that the the process is long and tedious and annoying and really boring and like really hard for people who speak. And
1: and unfortunately, when when families are offered that $3,000 or however much Sometimes families need that money right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. The,
3: the landlord and the developers, they, they know what they're doing. They know that it's... I mean, look at all the signs that are cash for houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that's that condition. is BS because what they're doing is driving the price to the dirt. Right. And, and then just kicking you out and telling you, oh, you know what? You're illegal.
1: And I think what happened... I, gosh, I remember this. In 2015 in Boyle Heights, there is an instance where... I mean, there are many signs that say cash for homes, right? Yeah. Like yeah. A lot of people are encouraged right. right. yeah. to um, essentially sell their homes. And think about it. 82% of families are renters. The 18 other percent are homeowners. Mm-hmm. Growing up, my parents became homeowners because it was, it's a multi-generational home that right. my dad's uncle was passed down from. So it's a way, owning a home is a way to break down multi-generational poverty. And unfortunately, that's not an option for many families because of racist systemic issues and laws that have prevented black and brown families from actually owning a home because they may not have had the opportunity to build credit or they may not have had the opportunity to apply for a loan. a lot of things that would contribute to someone's inability to become homeowners one day. And even for middle-class African-American families historically in other parts of the U.S., if they were to purchase a home and had the ability to do so, oftentimes they would have to pay a higher price than their white counterparts. And even if they were to sell their home, it would be undervalued than their white counterparts. So there was a lot of quote unquote like small things that contribute to families not becoming homeowners and that could very well mean that many of the families in Boyle Heights were prevented from becoming, uh, right. from breaking down multigenerational poverty. Right. at some point. But, but there are prevent- systemic issues that exist that are rooted to this day that prevent our families from actually accessing the equity and capital that they yeah. need to be, um, to break down that, that poverty. So yeah. on top of that, uh, my point being that the 18% of families who are homeowners, they're in a very unique position A lot of families can have the opportunity if they own their home, they could sell their home for a lot of money right now. It's kind of like winning the lottery. If you were to win the lottery, do you want a million dollars right now, Axel? Or do you want $10 million 10 years years, from now? Or like like 10 years from now? Six
3: years because you know what? I don't need that much every year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But But that's the thing. Like the typical human behavior, I studied psychology at USC. Right. You're Mm -hmm. going to accept. The money right now. The majority of people, you're going to yeah. want it at the moment. And yep. unfortunately, and it's not to the detriment of the people saying, yes, I'm going to sell my home. It's their choice. Some families can go immediately or closer to retirement if they sell their home. And so that's an incentive for them to do so. But I would argue families should not sell their home because yeah. it's a way to hand down equity. It's a way to hand down capital. It's a way to become, to play the system. You got to be the system in order to. Yes, fight against the system. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. but at the same time, you have to break down the system to support other people to become part of that ecosystem. Yeah,
3: and you're grounded at that point. That like they can't, they can't take you out. You, that is your. That's yours, home. That right? Your, and I, and I, I think, mean, they can
1: try, but they could try. And there are real estate agents. There are investors who are knocking on people's doors yeah. right now. My parents have been knocked on. Part of the reason is the identity makeup of Boyle Heights. If you think about it the history of Boyle Heights is rooted in activism and advocacy. Yeah. So in the late 1960s, we had the Chicano walkouts where students walked out of four local high schools to show their resistance to the inequitable schooling policies that would essentially provide low, n- inadequate resources for our students to succeed in school. Uh, in the late 1980s and the early 1990s, there was resistance from the mothers of East LA who were primarily from Boyle Heights that prevented a state prison from being created in the arts district area. So there are instances where activism has led to positive change many times. And we can go back to the days of Cesar Chavez yeah, and all of the good okay. stuff. The difference, though, today is that in the late 1980s when, or even in the Chicano walkouts, there was a role model, there was a leader, and that leader was a teacher named Sal Castro. In the late 1980s, in terms of the, the resistance of the state prison, we the leader was Gloria Molina who was previously the assemblywoman of the district okay today we need an elected official to step up and show their stance against the changes that are happening that are displacing our families that's the difference between that's one of the reasons why there's a lot of resistance because there's a, it's rooted in history another reason why is that i believe there's over 50 nonprofits in the Boyle Heights East LA area that are active yeah. so i would assume that there's a lot there. of influence yeah. from these nonprofit leaders who are not necessarily promoting this idea of resistance, but showing a lot of leadership and having these intense discussions with our youth, and, with a lot of our community yeah. members who are showing them what are their rights, and what are you keeping, able to and do? And keeping
3: them, them like like aware of what's yeah. going on, right. yeah. too. Of course. So like, one like, um, huge one, huge, Homeboy Industries. They're based wow, out of Boyle Heights. They They're huge. And they have huge ties and like, connections with the city of LA because LA loves the fact that like, it can say it has Homeboy. You and I think
1: mean? in addition to Homeboy and the nonprofits is that the third piece is the fact that Boyle Heights has seen the changes have seen the changes occur for over 10 to 15 years. If you look at downtown LA as the epicenter, looking first at the northwest of Echo Park and Silver Lake, and we talked about this earlier. but changes happening slowly from Echo Parks over like slowly moving to Highland Park, Frogtown, yeah, Eagle Rock, like and then creeping over, doing like this weird clockwise motion where now it's approaching the east side of Lincoln Heights, El Sereno, yeah. Boyle Heights. You can also argue that people have had time to see the changes happening. So Boyle Heights has had time. They have had leadership and they have had the community and a history of activism and advocacy. Yeah. So through this combination, I've I've told this to other people, but I feel just through the the amount of uh, attention that Boyle Heights has received, the nation is watching Boyle Heights right now because it is probably probably the first neighborhood in the country that's actually slowing down the process of gentrification. Wow, that's I don't, awesome! I don't. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with some of the tactics that are used, right? But <laughs> I would agree Get that- Get the
3: fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know White what? Lady. Sometimes you have to do that because in affluent neighborhoods, they have all of this money that they can funnel into different connections. And we can only make noise. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so at you some gotta point, disrupt some, at some way. Yeah, at some point you gotta put yep. your foot down. And and we haven't even mentioned like how much richness is in art and film and and music coming out of like East Lows. Like, dude, the whole like Lowrider, you know what I'm saying? Like um, dude, like Whittier, that whole yeah. dude that. Whole vibe, Come on. Dude,
2: that part, no,
3: yeah, no, you know, and I know it's funny, but that dude, they are on the fucking map. Like they are huge yeah. stars. And they put East Low's, I'm sorry, they put Boyle Heights and <laughs> I want to be correct like, here, needs yeah. Needs yeah.
1: and like right. you know what and, I mean. Right. And I think the one of the other issues that exists in this narrative of resistance is that the defend Boyle Heights, the activist groups, and the Boyle Heights Alliance Against Art Washing, another activist groups that's been very vocal against the art galleries, they're not necessarily representative of the entire community. I would argue, though, that the no one in the neighborhood wants to be displaced no one in the neighborhood wants to get kicked out of their home. No one wants to lose their identity. But I would argue that there are three different, or I'm sure there are more, but there are three different schools of thought when it comes to the changes that are happening in Boyle Heights within the community, just from my own personal anecdotal experience and also from just talking with a lot of people. You have the no group, the group who says, get away from my neighborhood. We're going to kick you out, our gallery. We're going to kick you out, coffee shop. If If you don't look like you're from here, then you're going to get out of here. That's... One group's mentality. Another group's mentality is the yes group. The yes group is the group who within the neighborhood who say, yes, give me all these changes. I want all these amenities. Oh, we I want nice. these coffee we shops. Go
0: to the, we want Wi-Fi.
1: We want all these different services that we don't want to drive elsewhere for. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have the maybe group. You have the group who may enjoy good coffee, who may enjoy art, but they don't want to contribute financially to something that will eventually displace families in the future.
2: I know that Boyle Heights kind of is, is starting kind of that that wave of like kind of trying to build that identity now. Of, sure. You know what are we then? Like you know where where does this city go? Where does what it, what happens after? But then what happens to us over here on this side? Like on the west side too. Like you know what about Inglewood? What right. about South Central? Like right. how do we start that? How do we like try to keep our identity or how do we start trying to figure out right. our identity and question. kind of keep all of that. It's, kind of, not stop gentrification, but how do we better ourselves, or how do we better the community?
1: I think one way is to be vocal about these issues. Vocal through civic engagement, talking directly with your council member, talking directly with your council member's office, with your neighborhood council as well, and being persistent. And not just yourself, but having other people, your friends who may be just as vocal or maybe just as passionate about the potential changes that will happen in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and make that a priority for your local council member and even call your state assembly member. I will I I'll send everyone a website to try to find your direct assembly member and your Ooh. direct council member we'll just make, make it a lot easier. We'll make it. But yeah. I think yeah. right holding of your council member, holding your state assembly member accountable is a one very proactive way of actually addressing this issue. Nice. Being very clear that in order to actually invest in your neighborhood, you should shop in your neighborhood. You should shop directly Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. uh, Latino-owned, black-owned businesses. Don't go to the Starbucks. Don't go to the new business that may pop up down the street. Go to the places that need the money. Go to the places that need the support hmm <laughs> And that's, that's those are two cold, bro. <laughs> right. And those are two active approach. And I'm going to be honest, as a, someone who may people have called a hentifier, someone who is has gotten who has received a college degree and has come back into my neighborhood, someone who is from the neighborhood who understands the struggle, but is not representative of the neighborhood. I've said this before that the fact that I have a college degree, the fact that my parents have a home. I'm not representative of the neighborhood. And I want to make it very clear that I'm not the voice of the community at all. I'm a voice within the community, but I'm not the voice of the community. And I, you have to be very clear about that. And what you say is not right. Ooh. It's one option. However, your voice matters. And you have to be very clear that you, whatever, what action, the actions that you do may not be correct, may not be right. But... You have to start a dialogue, and you have to and start a discussion that actually shed some light
0: somewhere, and you have yeah. to
1: shed that light, right? And yeah. you have to hold people accountable, and you have to start a movement, right? So I've had people tell me, like, "So white people can't move into the neighborhood?" I was like, "I've never said that." No, I would say that there's a way to be culturally sensitive, and there's a way to actually integrate into the fabric of a neighborhood successfully. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between a white person or someone from a different background that doesn't reflect Boyle Heights who moves into the neighborhood and participates in community events invests in local businesses, yep. yeah. who talks to their neighbors, yep. who decides to learn Spanish because yeah. most of our right. families are either monolingual or bilingual. And develop relationships steps, and friendships. Right. Something that's community. organic. Right, exactly. Those are steps. That's very different from someone who goes into Boyle Heights who may not be reflective of the community or they may, they may be reflective of the community. And they're not going to participate they, they don't participate. They Buy a house, and they decide to flip a house for a profit. That's a huge difference than someone who wants to become part of a community and develop and what be part it's of like, it. Like you
3: gotta look, follow the dollar, follow the, where the money goes, and you will find the truth yeah. <laughs> every time. Because it's all driven by profits, and it's like all driven by people that just want. And like, it just sucks. That's how it is. Yeah. That's just how it is. It's like corporate America, like capitalist America. It's like that's what we have to fight against. We have to fight against all those people trying to take advantage of our communities, like making a profit on us. You know what I mean? But So what's the best way to resist? (laughs) What do you think is the best way to resist? I mean, being
1: vocal matters and not being silenced. That's continue to show your voice and step up your voice at local meetings, whether that's at your neighborhood council meeting, whether that's with meetings with your local elected official. But I think going beyond that, those action steps to show resistance, right? There are so many other coffee shops in Boyle Heights that you can go to, right? You don't have to go to the one that opened up. You can go to the one that has been here historically. You can go to the one that is a typical mom-and-pop, Latino-owned business, putting your dollar where your mouth is, essentially, right? If you support the community and you you really want to show your investment in the community, do that, right? You could- Literally invest. You can actually invest if you have the means to, right? And even for people who are considered hentifiers who may have a higher means of contributing more, I would even- Even push people to contribute their own money if they have the means to, to not shop at somewhere else that may cost a lot more money and save it up and donate it, donate it to a local nonprofit. Volunteer your time at an organization whose mission is to promote affordable housing, donate your time to actually go up and show up to different, uh, protests that actually matter that actually go directly and shows your voice and shows your resistance to the systemic issues that exist in the city. And when I say protests and when I say marches, I mean in direct correlation to policies. There has to be a direct action saying, I am here at the city council meeting or I am here in front of an affordable housing development that is being transitioned into a luxury apartment and I'm showing my voice and I'm saying, this is not right, this is what I support, we should uh, promote XYZ measure or we should promote XYZ assembly bill you have to work directly with your local elected official because they are the vehicle of changes. They are the vehicle of change, and you have to promote yourself to be aligned with those vision, with that vision. And I would even argue for people who have a higher means within the neighborhood, donate your money to, there's an organization called the Latino Community Foundation. They're based out of San Francisco, and they donate a lot of money to local nonprofits that are Latino-owned. I'm gonna donate $500 of my own money to a pot of money to contribute to people who need that money within the neighborhood of Boyle Heights or within Los Angeles. Because as someone who has a college degree and now a master's degree, I know I have the means to. So I'm going to dedicate my own money to address that issue. Some people may not have that option, right? So think of other creative ways to address this issue. But being vocal matters and you should not stop being vocal. Um, but it's a matter of also being informed too. like. Being up to date, understanding what your laws are, working with advocacy groups, working directly and understanding that the news that you receive really dictates how you inform your opinion. So reading up on local newspapers like the LA Times, reading up on local newspapers in Boyle Heights known as the Boyle Heights Beat. There are all a lot of information that you should uh, learn from and not just form your own opinion because your own opinion does not necessarily reflect the opinions of others. You're right. Okay. You're right. And there's a lot more, but honestly it's
0: <laughs> and I know we're running yeah. a little late, so this is the last question, then sure. we can wrap up. Um, so so what happens? If the the, the resistance is successful, what happens what happens next? You know, where where so if, if you're saying it's go, it's going clockwise?
1: The changes. Well, yeah. Yes. The
0: changes. Where's what's the next? Where where's where where are we hitting next? What's That's
3: the next step? Yeah, in I mean, resistance or in mm, like development? Just in in general, like where, what do you, Wait, where what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, next? Well, yeah. what do, what do you
0: project in the, What do you see in the future based on what you've seen so far, your experience, and the data that you've um, right. that, you, that you've seen?
1: Right. I would say, I would hope that the community decides what happens next. And the reason why I say that is that Boyle Heights could be the first neighborhood in the U.S. that actually addresses this issue of displacement in an effective manner by actually advocating for specific uh, city council resolutions that directly connects with affordable housing, that directly connects with increasing the minimum wage, that directly uh, puts a cap on rents, putting more aggressive rent control laws, putting more aggressive means of incentivizing developers to create more affordable housing units. The time is now, right? Like we don't have to just stop and let these changes happen. The narrative typically is changes happen in LA. Just let it happen. Gentrification is a process that always happens. I argue, no, that's not gonna happen because we can stop it and we can make it our own. The community can own this. But the the thing is, is that Boyle Heights needs to have a collective identity and all the local nonprofits have to work t- together on a single initiative that actually addresses this. I argue that we can there can be a group of people or there can be someone who works directly with all the nonprofits to show them how can we create financial workshops for families who want to learn how to save money or families who want to build equity and capital there are things that directly address these issues of capitalism there are issues that directly address displacement we have to disinform people on the different rights that they have and i would say and i would hope that through these different initiatives that we would have a neighborhood like Boyle Heights that continues to maintain its working class and hopefully higher class Latino identity with the same people living there. The the bigger question is, how do we revitalize communities without displacing communities? And make it development rather than gentrification, right? Right, like how do we make it community owned? But I have hope and I have optimism and it takes leadership at the local level, at the community grassroots level, level, but we also need... Uh, actors and actresses, people at the city council and elected official position to take a stance on this. Is that going to be you one day? You going to run for we'll office see. one day? I don't know if I need to, right? <laughs> hey, man. There you we, go. We got your out. back. <laughs>
3: <Woo>. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you might need to. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much that, for having me. I really um, appreciate it. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do we want to, should we have time? Should we do recommendations? We're running a little late. Uh, you, you got a jam?
1: Uh, like in ten minutes.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Do you wanna? Yeah, we usually run this show with with uh, with any recommendation stuff, any medium that you consume, that you're consuming, something that's on your mind that you wanna that you wanna talk about, any plugs, pretty much. Any plugs? Know. Yeah.
1: Uh, sure. You should buy a book called The Color of Law uh, by this author named Richard Rothstein. It dives into the history of of segregation in the context of the U.S. It's a really good quick read as to how people have become, or how, how individuals have created equity and capital through home ownership, and how certain individuals in the country, typically black and brown individuals, have been prevented from purchasing or becoming homeowners one day. That's a really good book. Um, another good book I'd recommend is called How to Kill a City, um, essentially addresses gentrification in four different case studies in New York, San Francisco, uh, New Orleans, and Detroit. So it looks at the different processes and it talks about different phases of gentrification. If you want to put like theories behind it, that's really, it's not, I don't agree with a lot of what's said in the book itself, but I think it's a good read to understand the context of where gentrification comes from, right? Um, And I think lastly, read the LA Times. I don't know, read local newspapers. Subscribe, subscribe, (laughs) purchase, yeah. If you have the means to subscribe and pay um, huge supporter. And Anywhere we can follow you. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SC Almazan, A L M um, A Z A N. And I think that's all I have. <laughs> awesome. I mean, yeah, I have Facebook too, but whatever. <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, I think we can wrap it there. Do all you right. have anything? I don't think I have anything today. Thank you so
1: much. No? Sweet. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks so much. Woo. Oh. I-
3: Hey, what's up guys? If you haven't already done so, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars, please. We want to make sure that we keep coming back and uh, giving you some awesome content. Also, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and IG at Pock Talk and on Twitter at Pock Talk 1. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, suggestions, or if you just want to bash on one of us, (laughs) pocktalkpod at gmail.com or visit us on our website, pocktalkpod.com. This episode was produced by Brian Aguilar and Axel Oliva. The music was composed by AAK. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on Pock Talk.